We're in a series called 3G, and we've been trying to get a picture of of what the message of Jesus is to our generation, Uh, and the same message that's been relevant uh, for uh, 2,000 years. And the first G is, uh, is grace, and that's pivotal to everything we do. Only by grace do we find ourselves in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And then there's gratitude. Gratitude is a lifestyle that propels us along the journey. And when people have a grateful heart, there is a sense of wholeness. And you reframe all of life when you have a grateful heart. And then last Sunday, we started the the third G, which we're calling growth. And and growth is a huge frontier. You kind of never get to the end of this road. But we just want to mark a few places along the way that are particularly maybe pertinent for TCC and the growth that we have individually. Pastor Norm, uh, Norb uh, spoke last week of something that is so critical, and that's worship, and to understand that all of life is worship. I think to really get that and to understand that uh, whatever we do, from everything that we do corporately here in, in the worship time this morning to going back to the brunch tables, uh, to being with our friends and family and at work and, uh, and, and our play. When it's all wrapped in a package of bringing honor to God, you can call it worship. It is worship. It is worship. Well, I'd like to mark a couple more places uh, this, this Sunday to encourage and to challenge our growth. But first, I have a question for you. Where would you like to live? Your ideal geographical location on this planet, if it were possible, where would you go? Or would you stay where you're at? Don't bother shouting it out because we all know the trends. And in the winter... or Dubai, or someplace a little warmer with no snow. Where's the best place to live? The United Nations asks that question every year, and they publish it. Do you know what country has come up on top every year for eight years? Any guesses? Canada? Hawaii? (laughs) Yeah. Norway. You're absolutely dead right. Uh, For eight years, Norway is at the top of the list. Want to live in Norway? Sounds like Canada from a weather perspective. But the United Nations doesn't measure the weather as a factor. They measure life expectancy, literacy rate, levels of education, gender equality, distribution of wealth, standard of living. Sermon on joy, that's why that thing is acting up. (laughs) I just figured it out. Somebody wants to take away our joy here. I I don't think I want to go to Norway, but I still do have my eye on Hawaii. I think that that's got the edge for me. But it's actually about 25th on the line uh, in in, uh, Forbes magazine or Economist. But the idea got me thinking, what are, what are the Bible's best places to live? What is God's criteria for determining that? 
How would he rank the factors? Weather, standard of living, education. We're going to look at the best places to live, not according to the United Nations, not according to Money Magazine, not according to the Forbes Magazine, but according to God and the Scripture. What are we looking for? What's the criteria to know whether this is a good place to live or not? Well, the standard is basically the place where we feel most alive, most fulfilled, most satisfied, a place where we feel, ah, this is home, and a place where we feel like, this is where we're growing, and uh, this is where we're, we're moving forward. Well, here's a thought. The best place in the world to live is a place of joy, a place of celebration. Uh, that's the best place in the world to live, in a place where there's joy in our hearts. It could be Norway. It could be Edmonton. It could be Hawaii. But a place where there's joy in our hearts. I love the story by John Ortberg who tells about his young children having a bath at night and getting ready for bed. And Johnny was still in the tub. Laura was out and in her PJs. And he said, I was trying to get little Mallory dried off. Mallory was out of the water, but she was doing what has come to be known in our family as the D-Dot Day Dance. Uh, and, and that consists of her running around and around in circles, singing over and over again, Dida Day, Dida Day, Dida Day. It's a relatively simple dance, expressing great joy. And when she is so excited that she can't contain it any longer, she does the Dida Day dance. On this particular occasion, I was irritated. Mallory, hurry, I prodded. So she did. She began to go faster and faster and faster. <laughs> D-da-day, D-da-day. No, Mallory, stop with the D-day stuff and get over here so I can dry you off. Hurry! And then she asked a profound question. Why? Why? I had no answer. I had nowhere to go. Nothing to do. No meeting to attend. I was just so used to hurrying. It hit me hard. Why? So I got up and did the Dida dance with her. And she liked it. And she said, I was pretty good for an older man. <laughs> we have a lot to learn from our kids. They enjoy the moment. They aren't just trying to get through at the moment in order to get on to another moment. I wonder if God doesn't want us to do a, a, a little more dancing in life more often in life, the Dida Day dance or something similar, to enjoy the moment, to experience the best of the moment and the best of the journey. I wonder if living in a place of joy wouldn't be one of the greatest growth steps for all of us to experience what it means to really live. The heart of God seems to be one of joy. Do you agree? The heart of God seems to be one of joy. Don't you think God enjoyed the creation of his world? It was a Dida day. Every time at the conclusion of the day, he would say, and it was very good. And it was very good. You never sensed that God put in his eight hours that day and was bored with life and said, oh, that'll have to do. I've had it. Thank me, it's Friday. I'm done. <laughs> 
And it was very good. And it was very good. His plans for the original couple in the Garden of Eden were amazing. He wanted them to be so alive, so thrilled with the environment, and so excited to be in a relationship with the one who created them, that he could walk with them and talk with them and enjoy them. You know, you can plug the word joy into the electronic Bible gateway program. And when you do, dozens of verses come right at you. All on the theme of joy. And you can see the special place of joy in the heart of God. Psalm 511. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that those who love your name may rejoice in you. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Psalm 19, verse 8, the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving life to, light to the eyes. Psalm 21, verse 6, Surely you have granted him unending blessings and made him glad with the joy of your presence. I mean, I could keep you here a long time reading verses of joy from the Bible. But I think you get the idea. As a third century man was anticipating death, he penned these, these last words to a friend. It's a bad world, an incredibly bad world. But I have discovered in the midst of it a quiet and holy people who have learned a great secret. They have found a joy which is a thousand times better than any pleasure of our sinful life. They are despised and persecuted, but they care not. They are masters of their souls. They have overcome the world. These people are the Christians, and I am one of them. There's a common uh, misconception, even among believing Christians, that the choice to follow Jesus is really a decision to punch your martyr card. In other words, some believe that following Jesus is a decision to follow a path of pain rather than a path of pleasure and a path of denial rather than one of delight. But, you know, nothing could be further from the truth. Oh, I don't deny that there is a cost to discipleship. But remember the first account of Jesus' public teaching in Matthew 5 begins with a pronouncement of blessing upon those who follow him. Keep in mind that the word blessed could and perhaps should be translated happy. Happy are the humble and those who thirst for justice. Happy are those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. We know that joy is a prominent theme in the epistles of the New Testament. Joy is one of the fruit of the Spirit. No epistle is more joy-filled than the book of Philippians, a letter written by Paul while he's in prison awaiting his outcome of a trial before Caesar. Death was a very real possibility. And yet we read, But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice together with all of you. And in the same way, you also should be glad and rejoice together with me. Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write this again is no trouble to me and is a safeguard for you. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Jesus spoke so clearly in John chapter 15 of the need to be grafted into the true grapevine, to be connected to Christ. And he says, I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. And your joy will overflow. Where does the joy come from in life? It comes from Jesus. It comes from the revelation of God's love to us in Jesus Christ. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, Paul says. He also wrote, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe we all just need to pause and enjoy the moment. Do the dee-da-day uh, dance and celebrate the presence of God in our lives. Lewis Mead had a good way to say it. To miss out on joy is to miss out on the reason for your existence. To miss out on joy is to miss out on the reason for your existence. It's the best place on the planet to live, the place of joy in your heart. Pastor Norb quoted the Westminster Catechism last Sunday. The question, what's the chief end of man? The answer, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And C.S. Lewis had a captivating way in which he expresses it. He says, joy is the serious business of heaven. Ah, only C.S. Lewis could put it like that. Joy is the serious business of heaven. Is that an oxymoron? How do you do the dee-da-day dance more often in your life? Where joy is the serious business of life. Let me give you a couple of things this morning. How do you celebrate? How do you have joy? Celebrate as much as you can. Got a birthday to celebrate? We got one today. We're going to celebrate it tonight. Go ahead and celebrate. Got an anniversary? Go ahead and celebrate it. Celebrating usually means doing some things which bring pleasure. We celebrate here every Sunday. Uh, we should figure out ways to do it as much as possible. It's good for the soul. It really is. It's good for the heart. Eating and singing and doing the Dida Day dance. You can read the Old Testament and see how they were constantly celebrating. There were all kinds of feast days. And the whole community would stop and come together and have fun and would enjoy and would celebrate. And there was great joy. There was great joy. Our capacity to celebrate increases as we just take the simplest things and we recognize them as being from God and taking a moment to celebrate. You know, things last year that we missed, that we just kind of didn't see, but today God has given us a little different perspective on it. And, and today we just, we just say, I'm going to celebrate that. That's important in my life. I'm going to celebrate that. We celebrate the progress of our building project from week to week. This is a vision from God. And every time we make an advance, one more wall finished, one more concrete pad poured, we celebrate in our hearts and we, 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 we find a little joy. We just do a little dee-da-day dance. Our facility development team is often on the site walking around and we're doing a little dance early in our hearts. We're praising God. 
And we're thankful to God for His blessing, and it brings joy. And when I need a little joy in my heart, I just drive down to the site. Get out, get a hard cap hat on, and walk around the site and just do a little dee day dance in my heart. Now, I don't do it visibly. You'll think like, what a strange pastor. But gets you know, a lot of cameras around there. So, But I'm dancing inside, I have to tell you. I'm dancing inside as I walk around there. What are the occasions in your life that you can see now? We just need to celebrate that. We just need to give thanks for that. We just need to rejoice in that. That's God. Live in the moment, not in the past or in the future. Do you notice how we're always thinking and saying, well, you know, maybe someday life will be better. I'll turn a corner. Planning for the future is very good, but missing today is tragic. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. We really only have this moment. This is the day that God has given us. And he has forgiven us, and he's given us this day to know him and connect with him and love him. He gives us today in all of the little things of life and in sometimes the big things of life that we can encounter at the moment. I, I wonder if God's stirring something in your heart, even now as I speak, that your, your mind is way down the road somewhere else, but you're thinking of something. Hey, see it as from God and celebrate his joy. Celebrate his excitement, his grace. Even now, if you're going to experience joy, it'll have to start today. This is the day that the Lord has made. I know it, we, we do live in a hurtful world. There is pain in our hearts even today. And there is injustice in the world. Shall it rob our joy? Have you noticed that it's often people who are suffering who have the most enthusiastic joy? Mother Teresa walked among the poorest of the poor. And yet it's said of her that she had a glow about her. There was a bubble of joy that surrounded her as she was involved in caring for the lonely and the destitute and people with broken hearts and broken bodies. I read the story this week by Wayne Cordero of ministering in China to house group leaders. And many of them had spent time as leaders in prison for their faith. And they were just filled with the joy of the Lord. It's interesting how that goes together, that you can be in prison, but you can be filled with the joy of the Lord. And they were just filled with the joy of the Lord to follow God. And they asked Wayne to pray for them that they would be like the Christians in the West who enjoyed freedom. And Wayne said, I shook my head sadly. I can't do that. But they said, but why can't you pray for us? He said with a sigh, you came here after riding 13 hours on a train. If in America, if a church is more than 30 minutes away, people won't go. It's too far. You've been sitting on a wooden floor here without air conditioning in this hot weather for three days. In America, we have to have air conditioning or we don't come. You don't have adequate Bibles. They were memorizing the scripture. They didn't have Bibles. But in America, we have multiple Bibles per family, but it doesn't necessarily mean we read them. No, I said, I'll not pray that you become like us, but I'll pray that we become like you. Even though suffering, 
they had the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Nehemiah said that. Yeah, the, he keeps us going and strong throughout our lives. If we wait until everything is just right before we rejoice, we'll probably never rejoice. We'll probably die before we rejoice. Today is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And then dealing with our joy-challenged hearts. John Maxwell used to say, if you want to learn something about leadership, well, get around people who are leaders, who are a little further down the track than you are. Get a notebook, walk along beside them and learn from another leader. And I think that's great advice. I thought maybe we could transfer that. If you want to learn something about how to break into a heart that is joy-challenged, get around a person who has gone further than you. Get a little notebook. and Walk beside them and learn from a person that is breaking through into moments of joy all around them. We come across a lot of people who somehow magically remove the joy from their environment by concentrating on the negative. It's possible to do that. and I'm going to give thanks for his hand upon this situation and, and thank you Lord and I'm going to celebrate the victories Amen <laughs> Maybe God will give you somebody in your life who does that fairly well and you can learn from them or and maybe just a thought maybe you're that person for somebody else that you're their mentor you're their encouragement and you're their example what a blessing you are you're a joy giver and then focus on the goodness of God. Remember the words in, in James 1.17, every good and perfect gift comes from God. Look at the gifts that God has given. Maybe we have to be a little more intentional in appreciating those gifts. Maybe sitting down for dinner or supper with your family. Simple. It's a time of joy. Just appreciate it. I enjoy having supper with Marg. Our days have been busy. We come home. We gather around the table, we talk, we catch up. And it's just, it's wonderful being with a friend. It's wonderful. Maybe we should all do something to tease out the joy a little bit more in life. Maybe one day a week, eat your favorite food. Enjoy a special dessert that you don't indulge in every day. You can't do that. But once a week you could. If you've deprived yourself of food for a long time, doesn't it feel good to eat again? To eat something you like? Maybe you read a book that lifts your heart. Maybe you do a sport that renews your body and your mind. But as you do these things, you're rejoicing. Lord, what an awesome privilege to eat German chocolate cake tonight. Oh, it's exciting. Lord, what a great thing that I get to be involved in this sports activity. And we give thanks and we experience joy. Maybe we've underestimated the importance of joy and, and, uh, and pleasure and celebration in spiritual formation. When we're grateful for all of God's blessings, there is a joy. And with the joy, we are formed spiritually, as God would have us be. It may sound rather simple, 
but yet it molds us and shapes us. Just direct your heart and say, thank you, God, for every good and perfect gift comes from you. Your joy depends on how you interpret life. You know, some use the analogy the glass is half full or the glass is half empty. And it's a lot in perspective. But when you read the Bible, you're always being swept along to view life from a broader perspective. We view life not just from today, but we view it from eternity. And so when you watch the news on TV, the short-term prognosis looks rather bleak. But the long-term outcomes are amazing. You don't get it on TV. You get it from the Word. You get it from the Word. Everything for the follower of Christ is viewed in light of the resurrection and in light of the coming King. And then it's a different story. Oh, it makes a huge difference. We'll take the left jabs to the chin throughout life. If for no other reason than we live in a fallen world. It's a broken world. And sin abounds. But there's coming a day when we will score a knockout punch. But not us. Jesus, who will come. And he will set all things right. And so it's so good that we're able to read the end of the story in the Bible. That we know how things turn out. And Revelation 22 is a wonderful picture He says this, I'll just quote it quickly. No longer will there be a curse upon anything. No longer will there be a curse upon anything. For the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there and His servants will worship Him and they will see His face and His name will be written on their foreheads and there will be no night and no need for lamps or sun For the Lord God will shine on them and they will reign forever and ever. Wow. That's the Dida Day dance in heaven. This is the celebration time. This is joy overflowing. And the Bible says that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. So we interpret our lives in, in light of the great day that's coming. Makes all the difference in the world. Well, enough. I thought, uh, I thought we might visit a couple of places this morning. I should have known better. We could only have time for one place, but it's the best place. It's the place of joy. And next week, we'll go to a couple more places, better than Hawaii, better than Norway, because in our hearts, to be where God wants us to be is the best place to be. And one of the best places to live is that place called joy. So do you need to top up a little joy in your life today? Just sort of top it up a little bit. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The bottom line is the Holy Spirit is the giver of joy. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It comes streaming into your life as a result of the presence of the Holy Spirit controlling your your life. No other secret than that. And when the Holy Spirit comes into your life and overflows your life, you, you, you have streams of living water. You have the joy of Jesus filling your life. The joy fills us and fills us and fills us. And God gives us a deep sense of His love for us. And He says to us, you're my child. I love you. You are my child. I'm with you. You are my child. I will use you. 
And so when you have a sense of the revelation of the love of God in your heart, you overflow with joy. So as an act of renewal today, simply take a look at the front door of your heart. Has it got a welcome sign on it for the Holy Spirit? Does it say, welcome, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in my life. Flow my way, flow through my heart, irrigate my life, fill me with joy. And he does. Let's stand together.